0: Hey, welcome to our campuses, everybody, Orland Park, Homer, Glenn, New Lenox, and online. Today is a very important day for our church. If you're new, this is a perfect time for you to be here. You are our priority, and I will show you that today. I'm going to talk about some numbers, um, but every number is a human being with an eternal soul. You're a number, I'm a number. We're going to talk about some things along the way. My name is Tim. I have been the pastor here since George Bush Sr., was the president, okay? Like, that's the dad of the George Bush that most of you know, okay? I just, I just want you to understand, uh, since 1990, uh, that video was a fundraising campaign video to help us raise funds to relocate to Orland Park in the, first, in the first place. It was the first of five campaigns that we've done to help raise extra capital so that we could grow and we could build. And no, I'm not starting another campaign today. All right, yeah, you can clap for that too. I'm just as happy about it as you. I just want to sp- I just want to spread some vision, okay? I just want to talk about what we are as a church more than ever. Going to talk about the signs. Some of you know what's behind there. I-, I just want to ask this question. This was a question I was asking myself on my sabbatical this summer, and it's a question that we should a- always ask for us as a church and you as a person. What would what would be like? What would we like for people to line up at the end of our lives and thank us for? All right? Well, I mean, what, what is it that's really going to be worth it? Like, we get to the end, you're on your deathbed or whatever, or you're in heaven or whatever, you want people to thank you for, what's it going to be? And this is what I asked myself over sabbatical. And it caused me some anxiety, but, but it was good because it, it made me dig in and figure it out. Basically, the question for me was, what does a fourth quarter look like for me? Okay. Uh, I, mean, I turn 58, I'm approaching 30 years of ministry here, one way or another, I can't deny it, I'm heading into the fourth quarter, at least in terms of productivity, okay? I am the old guy who's cold all the time and has to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and needs an ear hair trimmer, Okay. And, and you people are partially responsible for that. So t- take ownership of that, okay? You just can't imagine what this place was like 30 years ago. Uh, I'm sitting on the organ bench, if that will help you a little bit. Um, we don't have one of those anymore. I'm sitting on the organ bench at this tiny little building we had over in Tinley Park. We were running about 150 people when I got here in 1990. And it still blows my mind that we are where we are today. I mean, immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And I had another one of those moments on Friday night as we watched 54 people get baptized at our rooted graduation. Congratulations, whoever you are, all you people. So awesome, man. So I just want to use a football analogy in terms of my time here because it started to make sense to me, okay? Like 10 years is a quarter, all right? Let's just do that. First 10 years, the first quarter um, was hard, okay? It started hard. My offensive line was terrible. I was getting sacked a lot, I was on my butt more than my feet, and I was an inexperienced quarterback. I was making rookie mistakes, I threw a bunch of interceptions. So the first half of the first quarter was pretty much, well, like the start of the last five Bears games. Okay? You with me? You starting to follow? Okay? Not much offense, and the punter was tired. And her name was Denise, by the way, okay? So, so by the end of the first quarter, however, by the time we got to the end of the first quarter, by the time we're making that video and we're starting to think about relocation and all the things that we could do, we'd gotten our team together and we were starting to really move the ball and we'd secured our property in Orland Park and we were getting ready to break ground and the team was united to put it into perspective, okay? This is what's been blowing my mind all week. It, Christmas Eve of 2000, so that's the end of my first quarter, right? We had... 800 people come to Christmas Eve services, okay? Eight, and that was unbelievable to us. We'd gone from uh, this tiny little church to being able to have 800 people for Christmas Eve in that tiny little building. But we had no idea what the second and third quarters were going to look like. This has blown my mind, okay? In January of 01, so let's start the second quarter, we prayed this prayer together as a church, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, and that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil that I might not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. We prayed, Lord, we don't know what what the future is, but, but we're asking you, can you bless us indeed and enlarge our territory? I'm preaching from this text, first weekend of January, you don't want to miss it, how to not have an average year, we're going to talk about it. We had no idea that the building that we were getting ready to move into, phase one of our Orland property, which felt like the promised land to us, we had no idea that we were going to start with four services and never go back because God was going to fill it up so fast. We had no idea that we would immediately have to start thinking about another building program to build 2,000-seat auditorium in Orland and be able to eventually add on to that building even and add a chapel and finish the basement and then add a campus in Lockport, which we ended up being able to move to Homer, which we ended up adding the whole new Lenox campus. And some of you are at those places. uh, We're all together in this thing that there's no way that we could possibly imagine where we are today. All right? It's, uh, l- l- let me just put it into perspective, okay? Christmas Eve of 2000. We had 800 people. That was a miracle for us. That was crazy. This is Christmas Eve. We, always, we were starting to get more people for Christmas Eve. Now we get like triple our regular attendance on Christmas Eve. It's crazy how the thing works. But 800 was crazy. So then we prayed the prayer of Jabez. Enlarge our territory, Lord. Bless us indeed. What if we could double that like next year? You know, that, what would that be? That would be like 1,600 people. I mean, we didn't pray this, but I was just, I was just doing math this week, and it, 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 it's crazy, okay? What if it, like a double blessing? Some of you remember I, I talked about Elisha praying for the double blessing of Elijah. What if we did the double blessing thing, and we had 1,600 people? And then, what if, and we would have never said this, because it, 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 was, it was physically impossible for us to think about, but what if you added 1,600 people every year? for another like, I don't know, 18 years. That was the year 2001, right? So for those of you that don't want to do the math and I didn't either, that's what the iPhone is there for. (laughs) That would mean if we added, if we doubled and added it every year for 18 years, we would have 28,800. Do you know what we had for Christmas Eve 2018? What what in the world is the story of this place? Well, I'll tell you what the story is. 38 of you invited somebody that wasn't supposed to come. (laughs) That's all I can figure out. I hope, they, I hope they're hope they okay. Here's what I know. So God granted him what he requested. <laughs> I don't understand. It makes me believe that the only thing, there was no way we could understand, there was no possible way we would have prayed that back in 2000. The only thing that you can say about this place that we call Parkview, this place that we call you, is the supernatural work of God. God, I just want to ask that you'd be with us, and um, I just want to ask that you'd be with us as we figure out what the next phase looks like, and be with us as we move forward, but we got to stop and say thank you, because that's what stopping and saying thank you is all about. It's looking back, like I've done this week, just to, to think about all the m- amazing things that you have done, and Lord, let's keep going. Bless us indeed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our enlarged territory, however, wasn't just here. Global started digging into this a little bit more. And I know you don't know all this stuff because I didn't even know all this stuff. We adopted the country of Malawi, the third poorest country in Africa, and we have trained 1,350 pastors in an eight month program in the third poorest country in Malawi. Okay? And we are starting to take teams over there to do medical and business and health and and clean water initiatives and all those kinds of things. There's a ton of stuff we're doing in Malawi and we're ramping up and ready to go. We support organizations and missionaries all over the world. Last year alone, Parkview planted three international churches, one in Kenya, one in a major city in the Middle East that I can't even tell you about because people might die if if I told you where it was, and one in Chilequiles, Brazil, where we sponsored 825 kids, you know? this right some of you are sponsoring those kids we also partner with two church planting organizations that planted 261 churches around the world just in 2019 we planted a church help plant a church in Limerick Ireland the pastor's name is Dermot O'Mahony. He's going to be here in a couple of weeks hanging out with us. And it's thriving. And so now we're starting to take trips over to Ireland. Who doesn't want to go on a missions trip to Ireland? I even want to go on a missions trip to Ireland, right? Last five years, we've taken 900 people on international trips. And if you want to go, go to parkviewchurch.com slash global, and we'll get you signed up. We've got trips going all over the place. And we already had thousands of kids that we were sponsoring before the 825 that we did this last year. Over over three or four or 5,000, we really don't know, around the globe kids are being, are being taken care of by Parkview people, okay? And the church we planted in Ecuador several years ago, some of you are still sponsoring those kids, is doing so well, I heard about this, they're doing so well that the government of Ecuador is diverting extra electricity to their district because they love what the church is doing in that community and they want them to have their lights on at night. Isn't that great? That's, that's the kind of model of the stuff that we have going on. Parkview, a, Parkview built a school in Turkana, Africa. If you, I mean, if you could see this place, I mean, it is desolate. There are now 12. We built the building, and there are now 1,200 students a year that go to school there, and many of them live there, 55 employees. Not only did we build it, but you sponsor most of the kids. In all, Parkview sent just under $1 million to International Missions in 2019. $1 million. You know that? And and that doesn't include child sponsorships, which would be well over a million dollars that you guys send in child sponsorships as attendees. This is the difference, okay? And thanks to your generosity and your initiative and your involvement in the community, people know we're here. And there are going to be a lot of people lining up to thank you as a church for what you've done at the end. I I believe that. And we're involved in so many local things, I can't even tell you about them all, 30 of them that we know we partner with and a bunch of them that I don't even know like I got an email from a local pastor in Orland Park who started a homeless ministry he said yeah a bunch of my volunteers are from Parkview way to go that's what we want as a church we work together Rooted has sent 3,000 volunteers out to do work that's just what we know about so enlarge our territory isn't just about how many people come into one of our buildings but are we done Have we arrived, or is there more than ever for us in the fourth quarter for me? okay. Should I pray it again? Should we pray it again, Lord, enlarge our territory? I mean, guys, we're one of the 50 largest churches in America. We're the second or third largest church in Chicagoland. We could sit back and enjoy the fantastic ride that we've been on and play prevent defense, or we can see this as an unprecedented opportunity to reach more people. You need to understand that our goal from the very beginning was to create a church where the unchurched or the dechurched churched or whatever felt welcome and loved to attend. Are there more of those people around? I think there are. And I mean, if, if you came here from being involved in another church, we love you. I mean, I did too. I was involved in another church before I became the pastor here. Believe it or not, I was a Christian before I became the pastor here. I didn't just find the job on LinkedIn and go, oh, that looks like a good job. Those guys only work one day a week, right? I think I'll do that. No, no that, I mean, I get it. I, and just so you know, I actually have an earned doctorate in religion if that's important to you. I mean, Lori Laughlin helped me get in, but I, I got in and I earned it, okay? <laughs> Is it too soon for that, or do I care? No, I don't care. But, but listen, if you came from another church to this church, it's important that you understand, and I understand, that the goal of this church is to be a place where the outsiders feel welcome. And just so you know, that was the goal of Jesus for the church, too. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, I've come to call the sinners. And so I use this a lot from C.T. Stud. Some want to live within the sound of the chapel bell, but I want to run a mission a yard from the gates of hell. This is what our church is supposed to be about because this is what Jesus said the church was supposed to be about. We wanted to have a church where the doubters and the sinners and the people with deep hurts and anxiety are able to walk in and not feel judged, but find joy and hope and peace and realize that they're at home with a whole bunch of doubters and sinners and people with anxiety who are on the same journey. As a matter of fact, that's what we did with these vision signs, and I bring them out every once in a while. Some signs we like to keep up around part few so that everybody can kind of understand what we're supposed to be about. First one is come as you are come as you are. Okay. Now, now, back in the day, that was kind of a big deal. Just like, we want you to relax, bring your coffee in. We had this billboard up on the Grange when we were first moving over to this location. And, and, and you know, this is kind of like, Hey, come on in. We're a relaxed fit. And you probably even remember that if you were in the area at the time, but that's not a big deal anymore. Nobody dresses up anymore. And God never cared about your outside. This is about your inside. This is come as you are, like I said, with your doubts, with your broken hearts, with your family problems, with your, with your sins and your failures and your mistakes. One of the big problems with religion, and one of the reasons I wrote the book, What Made Jesus Mad, is, that, is this whole idea that we have to somehow measure up. That we can't go to church or come to Jesus until we get our act cleaned up. How many of you have your act cleaned up? You do. Lissa, you absolutely do. Other than Lissa, you nobody else in here has their act cleaned up. I want to tell you, I only have my hand up because I'm asking for hands up. My hands shouldn't be up either. I don't have my act cleaned up and nobody else in here does either. Guess what? That brings us to sign number two. You matter to God. You matter to God. People are looking for some way to have significance in their lives, right? Through their their job or through money or through possessions or through relationships or fantasy football teams or whatever it is, our hobbies. And some of those are good things, right? But they leave us feeling unworthy. But the truth of the matter is the only thing you really need to know is you can come as you are and you still matter to God. And when you look up at the sky at night and you see all those stars and you see the galaxies and, and you know what's out there and you feel like a tiny insignificant, little speck. You can feel like a tiny insignificant speck all you want, but the God who made all those galaxies created you and loves you and sent his son to die for you. And you got to grab a hold of that. Come as you are because you matter to God. One of the most important verses to me out of the Bible is Ephesians 3. And I pray that you may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God that's what we want you to get it's the greatest discovery you'll ever make that he will never leave you he will never bail on you you are a treasure to him you may not matter to the people at work you may not have a whole lot of friends on Facebook you may not even matter to your family but you matter to God as a matter of fact I want you to repeat this would you Just one at a time. I matter to God, and that's all that matters. Now put it all together. I matter to God, and that's all that matters. That might change your whole perspective on everything. Come as you are, broken, because it doesn't matter. You're God's child. Then we go to The third sign we put up, which may not seem like it fits, but it does because it's slow children at play, okay? This is a a legitimate sign, right, that you see out there along the way. Jesus said this. He said, "'Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these.'" The truth is a vast majority of people become believers in Jesus before age 18, okay? So we will have a great children's ministry here. This is one of our vision signs. It's going to be a great children's ministry and student ministry here until they have to pry it out of my cold, dead fingers. I'm telling you that. And this is why we need your help in this area, okay? The truth of the matter is I'm not getting my money's worth out of this church anymore. My family doesn't go here. You know, I mean, we still tithe here. I still believe I'm supposed to bring my tithe to the storehouse and we still do and we believe in the work this place is doing. But I'm not not getting any free babysitting anymore. My family's not here. I don't get any free crackers for my kids. I don't get any free diapers. Nobody comes home with any crafts. I mean, Denise teaches in the kids' area so sometimes she comes home with one but it doesn't go in the refrigerator anymore. But I'm going to tell you something, even though I'm not getting my money's worth out of this place, I am a thoroughly satisfied customer as a parent whose kids did grow up in this church. Like literally, here's the picture they put in the newspaper to announce that we were moving to the church. Isn't that awesome? Rachel, who just had uh, her third child, is that one sitting there. Lauren is a bun in the oven. You can't really tell it right there yet. And uh, so Lauren was born a few months, uh, about a month after we moved here. And Becca was born a couple years later. And, And that's where we started, okay? And here's where we ended up. Here's where we are today. I know, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It really is. And this church was the home of those three girls in the front and also the boy on the left who all found Jesus and their relationship with Jesus at this church. That's why I can say I'm a satisfied customer. And by the way, the one on the right, this is from the summer, she's already had that baby that's in there and that's baby Maggie, I can't wait to see over Thanksgiving. This is, my family is like jabezing on me. You know what I mean? Like, the same thing as Christmas Eve, like, I don't know what we're going to do, okay? But, But this church is where they got their faith, and they didn't go to Christian school, we couldn't afford it, and we really wanted them to be living out their faith and be salt and light anyway. So the home was definitely the most important thing, but outside of that, everything they know about Jesus, and now what they're teaching to my grandchildren about Jesus, was grown in them through the ministry of Parkview. All the things that Parkview did and the the camps and the CIY and the programs. And God surpassed our dreams there as well. And there's not a lot of churches that really care about that sign. I mean, there's a lot of churches that just want to do babysitting or whatever. But listen, the fourth quarter is going to be just as important with that sign. Just because my stupid kids all moved away and my grandkids don't get to go to this church. It doesn't mean that your kids don't go here. They do. Your kids and your grandkids go here, and this sign is going to be front and center because there's more to do. There's more opportunity than ever. But Jesus said the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. So I just want to encourage you at all of our campuses today, there's a table out there in the lobby with balloons on it and people from the kids team, we need help. We need help, especially as we're working in to Christmas Eve services. We need your help to help us with the kids program. Like I told you, my wife does that. My wife has served around here for a long time, 30 years as a matter of fact. She doesn't need to give up her Saturday nights and go teach. Why can't you? Okay, we need your help. But there's a second part to this sign. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So when you see this sign up around the way, understand that, okay? There's two parts to this sign. One is we love kids and the other is we need to be more like kids. Jesus said that. And certainly he meant in humility and trust and faith and devotion to God, right? But I think it goes even further. I think to me what this sign means and what it will always mean, and if you don't agree with me, go somewhere else. Here's what I think it means. I, I think we should not take ourselves too seriously. Just, just stop taking yourself so seriously. Kids don't take themselves so seriously. Kids laugh a lot more than grown-ups do. And I'm telling you right now, if you start to see me take myself seriously, know that that's early onset Alzheimer's for me because I'm not ever going to do it. We're always going to have fun around here. We're always going to laugh. We're always going to celebrate. We're always going to pray. King David said, I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. And that's what I want part for you to be about. I, I want your kids to go, Yippee, it's Saturday. Yippee, it's Sunday. It's church day. We're going to go. And I want you to feel the same way because whatever's going on, we need to stop taking ourselves so seriously and slow down and play. I'll save this one for the last, and you'll have to guess, okay? But back to my original question. PT, what do we want people to think about us as a church at the end, whatever that is? And that's why this opportunity is so unprecedented, and that's why I'm not going to take my foot off the pedal. That's just not in my nature, and why we need you more than ever. And I want to ask you to do two simple things as we head into the holiday season. It's the same thing that somebody did for you that made a big difference in your life. It completely changed your life. So I want to pay it forward. I want to ask you to invest and invite. If you can't tell already, I'm more committed, I'm more energized than ever about partnering with you to inspire more and more people to come to Jesus and find Jesus and follow Jesus. And hey, you could just sit there if you want. I get it, you know, you're busy. Hey, this is great PT, good luck with that. Go get them, Tiger, you know, because I got stuff to do and I got my own problems and I get it, okay? And hey, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Somebody will take up your slack. We're not gonna sit around and wait for everybody to jump on board, but we're also not going to play prevent defense in the fourth quarter. I wasn't built for prevent defense and it would be really cool to have more of you on the team. Like, not in the stands, not even on the bench, but on the field. Our next quarter together could be awesome if you jumped in. And here's the thing about the game there's no limit to the amount of players we can have. I just picture, you know, like thousands of people on the field. You know, like a five year old kid's soccer game. You know, we're all just kind of, hey, pass me the ball, pass me the ball. And we're just marching down the field. And who's going to stand up to that? Nobody's going to stand up to that. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, the gates of hell will not stand up against it. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Gates of hell are defense. You understand that, right? They're gates. They're not offense. They're gates. And so, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to be on the field together, marching down together against the gates of hell. Jesus promised us that they can't stand and we're going to win. So we need you to invest in this place, volunteering and with your time and with your money. We need you to invest in this place. And we've decided to change our minds about something Um We stopped passing the offering a few years ago because we thought we could get all of it done online and it would be great and it's worked well. We have 70% of the generosity that comes here to come in online at this point. Um, But we didn't realize some things were going to happen when we stopped passing them. So we're going to start passing them again, okay? Starting next week, we're going to start passing them again. No big deal, but it is a big deal to us because here's what we didn't realize. What we didn't realize is that, that, that we weren't going to get communication with our new people. I mean, there's a card there that you can fill out and you can throw in, but you know what? People don't remember to do that on the way out. Nobody does. I wouldn't either. And we also didn't want any, we don't want anybody to feel like they have to give because they don't know Jesus. And that's one of the reasons why we stopped doing it. And we're never going to pressure people to give. But the truth is, there were a couple of things that we didn't intend to do. We didn't intend to make it feel like the offering had been demoted to a box in the back on the way out. Some would say, you know, it's like I throw my coffee away and there's an offering box there. I mean, that's not what we wanted. And in in the Bible, giving was much larger place in worship than that. It was a spiritual act. It was a demonstration of our acknowledgement of the fact that God is there and a way to partner with him and give back. And another thing that we didn't mean to do, but we took away a powerful worship moment and teaching opportunity for our newcomers and those who are getting to know Jesus. Visitors, we will never, ever expect you to give, but who am I to get in the way of God tells you to? And what if we want to do a dollar club or do something like that? We just, we just realize that we've probably made a mistake here. So I could, I could admit that was my idea. We made a mistake. We're going to start passing it again. And, and when the offering is received every week, I want you to see it not as an obligation, but as an invitation for you to participate and invest in the ministry of Jesus. I know most of you will still give online, and I will too. Don't feel like it's the passive shame if it goes by and you don't put anything in it. But hey, who cares what other people think anyway? It's about you and God. I just want the moment to be powerful. So we're going to do it. In the biblical days, the offering was a big deal. People would cheer. It was an honor to be able to be a part of it. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be. I read through the whole Bible um, while I was on my break, and there's some really goofy parts of the Bible. Okay, I can say that. I have a doctorate in this. <laughs> there are just some parts that, I, that just made me laugh, you know, and just be like, oh, that's a good one. Here's, here's one of them. God's speaking through the prophet Malachi. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? <laughs> okay, they're supposed to sacrifice their you know, best of their stuff, right? a blind oh that, that that goat's blind let's go let's give that one to god okay and when you sacrifice lame or diseased animals is that not wrong try offering them to the governor would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Would somebody please send a blind goat to the governor for me? Just please do that. I I, I beg you, that would be so hilarious. Uh, listen, I care about you. I care about what your priority is. God, Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon, so... How about not offering the blind animals anymore? What if we really took our giving seriously? There are five stages of giving that I want you to encourage you to think about moving down the ladder. The first one is initial giving. I mean, it's initial. Okay. I'm going to trust God and the leaders of this church to do something with the money. Okay. I'm going to then go down the ladder to the next rung, which is consistent giving that's when I start to go, okay, I'm gonna be consistent about it. I'm gonna give a certain amount. I'm gonna give a percentage maybe, or I'm gonna do whatever. I'm gonna do what can be done with that, but I'm gonna make it consistent. So I don't get to tax season next year and go, oh, dang, I, f- I was gonna give more and I forgot. Priority giver, that's the next rung down the ladder. This giver places a significant priority on their giving and it drives their spending and their saving as opposed to their spending and their saving, driving their giving. You with me? Like it starts to become a priority, and I'm going to set a budget for it. Did you know, I read this week, the average person with a Starbucks card or an account, something they can track, the average person spends $21 a week if they've got an account at Starbucks. That's $1,000 a year. Some of you couples are looking at each other right now. I see it probably didn't know that, did you? Listen, the Bible says we reap what we sow. So you're reaping expensive caffeine. Way to go. But are you reaping expensive caffeine while you're offering a blind goat to God? I mean, does that make sense? I believe the Bible teaches the first 10% of what we make should come back to God through his local church in faith and partnership with God. And Denise and I have done that all of our lives, and we have been incredibly blessed by God immeasurably more, okay? But for those of you who are sporadic givers, I want to challenge you to be intentional about it and move on down to making it a priority and do it. and Do it online. Do it so that it, it happens, whether you think about it or not. And the next rung down the ladder is the surrendered giver. And this is the person that starts to realize that 100% of everything comes from God. And it changes the way I do everything and the way I spend and the way I save because I want to give as much money to the kingdom of God as I can, which gets me on down the rung to the eternal giver who's making decisions in the short term that have long-term effects Just like you would in your 403B. You're thinking about the eternal picture. So invest and invite. I just want to encourage you to pray about that ladder. Pray about where you're at. And keep moving down the rung on the ladder. Keep investing more in the kingdom of God through this place because we need you. And invite. Invest and invite. The reason you invite is the same reason that you tell people about a good restaurant. You know Why? Because you don't want them to miss out. I want to show you a map of where Parkview is, okay? These are everybody at Parkview that is a regular attender of Parkview, all right? Uh, I, w- I want you to look at how well we have the. Su- these are re- these are not the people that are online. I'm going to add that to it at some point and bring it back and let you see. These are the purple is uh, is our Orland campus, green is our New Linux is our Homer Glen campus, and yellow is our New Lenox campus. Look at how we've got the South suburbs surrounded. There's not very and look at how far some of these people come, man. Uh, I mean, some of you guys come a really really long way to get here, and we need to get a campus back up towards Chicago. Really. Bad, keep praying about that. I mean, I, I don't know what we got to do, but we got to get back up that way. And who is this guy right here that lives in the forest preserve? You scare me. It's the Unabomber. I mean, look at him right there in the middle. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even know how that works. But look at the unprecedented opportunity we have to affect the whole south side of Chicago. With what? With a simple invite. We're doing Christmas at the movies, okay? I I mean, if if you haven't been here, it's a blast. We take Christmas movies, and I preach from it, and, and Pastor Todd preaches from it, and we have a great time. And some of you are like, man, what Christmas movies are left? Aren't you? You're like, are you doing bad Santa this year? No, no, we're still not doing. I promise you, we're not. We're doing one of the classics. We're bringing it back, and then we got three new ones, and you're not going to want to miss it. And it's an easy place for you to invite somebody to come. Now, let me give you the thing to say. Okay, really, really, just, just. I know it's hard for you. Just say this: Come sit with me. That's it. That's all you got to do. Don't just say, Hey, you got to come to my church sometime. Say, Hey. I go to the whatever service at the whatever campus, and why don't you come and sit with me? Guys, we got Christmas Eve coming up. We have 25 Christmas Eve services. 25, they're all the same, 25 across all of our campuses. We're starting Christmas Eve services on Friday night. Christmas isn't until Wednesday, (laughs) okay? This is like Christmas hell, I'm telling you. This is, what, this is what's happening, at least for some of us. We're, we're, we're going we're to have Christmas Eve services, and we're going to keep filling them up, and we're going to keep reaching people because it's a great, easy way for you to go, hey, you need to come to Christmas Eve service with me and come and sit with me. So here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to be done. We're going to do communion and we're going to do communion and we're going to pass the trays while we worship. Cause I had a, a lot of stuff to say today. Um, the trays are going to come by. There's one tray, two cups, and they're going to come by you're going to hold two cups until we get done. People that are laughing are, are not nice and, <laughs> and, and thank you. I got it. Yes. Good. And, and you don't have to be from part view. See, that's, that's what I'm saying though. That's the, this is it. Okay. If I screw up, I'm going to laugh about it. That's what what we should do. Um, And if you don't know what I'm talking about, ask somebody. Okay. So, so we're going to pass the trays and we're going to worship at the same time. Okay. I think you can do that. I I have faith in you. You guys are really talented and you don't need to be from here. It's just, you know, if you believe in Jesus, please join us. Okay. Um, Because we got to get to the last sign, which is that grace happens. See to it," the Hebrew writer said, that no one misses the grace of God. Why? Because grace is amazing. You come as you are, realize you matter to God, slow down, have a little fun, and understand it's all because of grace. Grace happens. Anybody gets a second chance. "Oh, I've done too much. Tim. No. Grace happens. Well, I walk too far away from God, no. Grace happens. Well, I had an affair. Grace happens. Well, I've been divorced. Grace happens. Well, I've been to prison. Grace happens. We got a guy here that did 40 years for murder. Grace happens. I've got an addictive behavior. Grace happens. I've been a religious hypocrite. Welcome to the club. Grace happens. Come, let's talk this over, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sins I can take it out and make you as clean as the fresh fallen snow. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Grace happens. But where there is sin and where sin increased, grace increased all the more. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. But not just, oh, well, that's a great thing. I've got grace. That grace cost Jesus his life. He died to pay for our sins. That's what these cups represent. And here's the thing, you guys. It was never just for you. You're here because somebody invited you, right? Aren't you glad they invited you? Aren't you glad they invited you more than once? Because the first time you said no, and the first five times you said no. And then finally one Sunday morning, they came by and they grabbed your kids and you were like, where are you taking my kids? And we, you said, well, we're taking them to Parkview. And they're like, well, okay, well, we better go along with you because we don't really trust you. And you came in, and you and you came to the service and you walked in and you're looking for snakes, right? And you're looking for a weird dancing and, and, and all kinds of stuff going on. And you walked in, you thought, this is kind of normal. And then you saw, th- this is the clincher, you saw people bringing coffee into the service. And you were like, yes, all right, finally. And people were dressed normally and you said, these people are kind of normal. And then you saw somebody you knew from work or somebody you knew from your community and they were kind of normal. You might have even thought, dang, I'm a better human being than that guy. I know that guy. And then the next thing you know, what happened? At some point during worship or during the service, all of a sudden you started getting really emotional. And you were like, what is wrong with me? And you realize God was getting a hold of your heart. If you will remember that experience, it will impact how you invest and invite. Because here's the deal. The minute we turn inward and it all becomes about us, we done. We may be big and done, but we are done. We're no longer doing what God wanted. We're going to become a dinosaur. We're no longer working and ministering in sync with God's spirit. So we got more to do. Your assignment for the holidays, invest and invite. Because we're going to rock the fourth quarter, boys and girls. Someone to live within the sound of the chapel bell, but I want to run a mission a yard from the gates of hell. Welcome to the outskirts of the gates of hell. We've got work to do.